your Locked on the New York Rangers, your daily podcast on the New York Rangers. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, Blue Shirts fans, to episode number 661 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I'm your host, John Chick. Just want to thank you guys, as always, for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. And that song you're hearing right now is, of course, Leave the Lights On from our good friends in Pacifier. You can check those guys out anywhere you get your music. And today, we're going to continue our off-season series. We do this every year. We are two episodes into it so far this off-season, with this, of course, being the third episode. Basically, what we do, we take a look at the best and worst-case scenario for every single player on the New York Rangers entering a new season. And for today, we've already covered the top two lines. Today, we will move on to line three. And I'm going to project a opening night third line of Barclay Goodrow on the left wing, Philip Hedl at center, and Vitaly Kravtsov on the right wing. And obviously, a lot of things could change. There were some rumors that you know, maybe the Montreal Canadiens are looking at both Nils Lundqvist as well as Vitaly Kravtsov. They seem to have interest in both of those players. We'll see if anything materializes. For Kravtsov, you never know. He could be here. He could also very easily be traded. I'm starting to think that he's going to be here. And for the time being, given that obviously he's still here as of this recording, we're going to go once again with Goudreau at the left wing, Hedl at center, Vitaly Kravtsov on the right wing, and we'll go from left to right, as we always do, and that means we'll start with Barclay Goodrow. Now 29 years old, he is entering the second year of a six-year deal that he signed with the Rangers, worth a total of $21.85 million. Of course, the Rangers traded for Goodrow during last year's offseason. They gave up just a seventh-round pick to the Tampa Bay Lightning. They brought in Barclay Goodrow, and then they inked him to this uh, long-term deal here. Once again, six years at $21.85 million total. Uh, that carries an annual cap hit of $3.641 million. And Goodrow also has a 15-team no-trade list for the duration of this contract. As far as what he did last year with the Rangers, really good season for Goudreau. Uh, you know, obviously either just using the eye test or going by numbers. Uh, skated in 79 games, had a career-high 13 goals, also picked up a new career-high 20 assists. So obviously that equates to a new career-high in points as well. 33 points in 79 games. Uh, scoring is not really his MO, but obviously uh, he showed last year that, you know, he could take advantage of some opportunities. There were some times where they had him even playing in the top six. I see him more as a bottom sixer, but obviously, you know, he pulled his weight and uh, he took advantage of some opportunities and once again came away with a career high both in goals and assists. He was also a plus 13 overall. That was the second best mark of his career and averaged a new career high 16 minutes and 43 seconds of ice time. Also blocked 54 shots also dished out 130 hits. So we'll start with the worst case scenario as we always do, and then we'll end on the good stuff, the best case scenario. That's just the good way to do it on here, I would say. But um, yeah, so worst case scenario, it's kind of hard. He's another one of those players that it's hard to come up with a lot of, you know, worst case scenarios for this player. Barkley Goodrow, he is who he is. You know, what you see is what you get. I don't think there's really any surprises, any big secrets. I mean, I, I suppose you could say that it was a little bit of a surprise that he ended up with 33 points last season. That's the biggest surprise that we got from Barclay Goodrow. But beyond that, he's just going to be a hard-nosed, blue-collar, old-school player, really good defensive forward. But as far as, you know, worst-case scenarios, I would say in a worst case, they end up putting Barclay Goodrow into a top-six role. Now, I'm not completely against this uh, 
under any possible circumstances. But as I've maintained on here, I even mentioned it just a couple minutes ago, uh, I don't see Barkley Goodrow as a true bona fide top sixer. He can hold his own if need be. You know, as we mentioned last year, career high in goals, career high in assists. So maybe there's a spot this season where you know, the Rangers just need a little bit of a shakeup and they shuffle the deck a little bit and Barkley Goodrow ends up spending a few games on the second line. I think that would be fine. Uh, but Goodrow in the top six should not be the Rangers' default setting. That should not be, you know, the way that they're just going to line up night in and night out where you just take it for granted that he's going to be on the second line every single night. I don't think that that's how they should operate. I think we're at the point where the days of guys like Jesper Faust and Dryden Hunt and even Barclay Goodrow himself, uh, the days of those guys playing in the top six over guys like Capo Caco and Alexi Lafreniere should probably be over. Now, look, I think you give Lafreniere and Kako a chance this season if they're not cutting it, if they're not getting it done, and you have to make some adjustments, and maybe Goudreau goes into the top six for, like I said, a couple of games. Once again, I think that's fine, but that should not be the Rangers' default setting. The Rangers should not be looking at Barkley Goudreau as a top six forward uh, going into the season. So I think if he's out there, you know, on opening night in the top six and however many games after that, that's kind of a worst-case scenario because I just don't think he's got the offensive prowess to really justify him being on the uh, in the top six. And... You know, maybe this past year, it would have made a little bit more sense because, you know, the second line is Artemi Panarin and Ryan Strom last year. And, you know, those two don't really have uh, a reputation for doing a lot of the dirty work. And so somebody like Goudreau there could at least make some sense. But now you've got Trocek with Panarin. Trocek is there for that very reason. And so for all those reasons, I just don't see him, uh, you know, being a, a true top sixer. So I think in a worst case scenario, uh, Goudreau probably ends up in the top six for the Rangers. Just don't want to see that. Um, I think also in a worst case scenario, he ends up in that vacated spot on the Rangers' top power play unit. I just think there's better options, more exciting options than Barclay Goodrow. I don't think that'll happen, but we have seen where Gerard Gallant tends to favor the vets at least a little bit, at least occasionally, over some of the young guys. I think it'll end up being uh, one of the young guys on that top power play unit, though. As far as best-case scenario, see, I told you there wasn't much for worst-case scenario for Barclay Goodrow. But in a best-case scenario, I think, um, you know, for Goodrow himself, to kind of piggyback off of what I was just saying, in a best-case scenario for... Goudreau, personally, he actually is indeed on that top power play unit. Once again, I don't think it'll happen. I think it'll happen, uh, you know, for somebody like Lafreniere or Kako or Heedle in that spot. But I suppose if you're Barclay Goodrow, I mean, hey, who would turn down the opportunity to be on the Rangers' top power play unit, right? So that's a best-case scenario, but it's only a best-case scenario for Barclay Goodrow. It's not really a best-case scenario for anybody else, uh, namely all of us fans. I think also in a best-case scenario for Barclay Goodrow, he leads the Ranger forwards in time on the ice while the Rangers are shorthanded. As we've mentioned, the Rangers have lost uh, quite a few of their best penalty-killing forwards. Kevin Rooney no longer here. Andrew Cott no longer here. Tyler Mott probably no longer here, just to name a few. Uh, you figure Goudreau, as far as the PK is concerned, he's going to be in the mix right there with guys like Chris Kreider, guys like Mika Zibanejad. I'm sure Vincent Trocek will get a good chunk of time on the penalty kill. Uh, and in fact, those could be your pairings right there, your top two pairings as far as the penalty kill is concerned and as far as the forwards are concerned. You probably have Kreider and Mika together, and you could have Goudreau and Trocek together, and that sounds pretty darn good to me. Uh, you know, Carpenter, he'll probably be in the mix for some penalty kill time as well. But for me, Barclay Goodrow is going to be, you know, one of the key cogs in the penalty kill unit if they're going to once again, you know, have a top five penalty kill unit in the league or somewhere near the top five. Uh, penalty kill is big, and it gets even bigger come playoff time. You know, you can't be scuffling on the penalty kill and giving up goals left and right when you're shorthanded. And Barclay Goodrow, uh, among the many things that he does for the Rangers, that's going to be a big one. You know, chipping in and logging some really important, really key minutes on the penalty kill. And to kind of piggyback off of that, 
Barclay Goodrow, in a situation where the Rangers are up by a goalie in the game, he's going to be one of the go-to forwards. He's going to be one of the guys he went out there, maybe even taking the face-off. He is a good face-off man and somebody that, you know, you're going to lean on in those situations when the Rangers are trying to grind out the clock and, uh, you know, pick up a, or hold on to, rather, a uh, one-goal lead uh, until the time expires. Goudreau will play that role as he did this past season. I think in a best case, and this will happen, this is one we don't even have to worry about, but Barclay Goodrow will be back in that kind of Swiss Army knife type of role. We know Barclay Goodrow can play all three positions at forward, left wing, center, right wing, doesn't matter to him. He'll do whatever you need him to. And he can also kind of move up and down the lineup, as I was talking about earlier. I do prefer him in a bottom six role, but it's great to have somebody that could literally, pretty much, he could line up at any of the 12 forward spots any single night. You know, he's not going to be like the top line center if Mika Zibanejad isn't hurt or anything like that. But it is crazy to think that this one guy, you know, you could pretty much play him on any single spot in the entire lineup, any of the 12 forward positions. Once again, obviously, I think he's better suited for a bottom six role, but it's nice to know there's somebody that could literally slot into any spot on the lineup if you're in a pinch or you need a shakeup or whatever the case may be. I think also, in a best case scenario, we see Barclay Goodrow have a big-time playoff moment for this New York Ranger team. Goudreau's actually had a few of those over the years, both with the Sharks and then more recently with the Tampa Bay Lightning. And for a guy that doesn't really score all that much, he really does seem to make his moments count, you know, when he is on the score sheet in a playoff series. So we'll keep our eye on that. You know, maybe if the Rangers are in a Game 6 or a Game 7, maybe Barclay Goodrow has got a big-time moment uh, within him, as he's done in the past. And I think... In a best-case scenario, and this might be the biggest thing on the entire list here, Barclay Goudreau provides toughness on this hypothetical third line that I just laid out here. The way I have it set up, once again, Barclay Goudreau on the left wing, Hedl at center, Krasov on the right wing. And of course, with Hedl and Krasov, those two aren't really known for big hits or you know winning a ton of board battles, not really known as great defensive forwards. So Goudreau is going to have to bring all those things if this is indeed going to be the Rangers' third line. He's going to have to pick up the slack that's not really what Krausoff and Heedle do, so Goudreau is going to have to uh, you know, come through in those areas for the New York Rangers. I think the biggest thing he can do for this team, once again in a best-case scenario, is to uh, you know, just take care of some of the grunt work uh, for these two skilled yet obviously inconsistent forwards in Philip Heedle and in Vitaly Krausoff. If he can do that and uh, keep some offensive zone possessions alive, you know, winning some board battles, doing whatever he's got to do, preventing some clears, going in hard on the forecheck, then that's really going to be to the benefit of, uh, you know, some young and talented, yet once again, inconsistent players in Philip Hedl and in Vitaly Kravtsov. So uh, that pretty much takes care of it for Barclay Goodrow. Again, he's one of those guys you don't worry too much. He's going to go in and do the things that he does. Uh, there's not a very wide range of outcomes when it comes to Barclay Goodrow. He's an established veteran in this league, and the things that he does well, he tends to do very well. So, uh, that's Goodrow, and we're going to move on to Philip Hedl, and then eventually Vitaly Krausov as well. We will do all that in just a second. But first, just want to let everybody know, today's episode of Lockdown New York Rangers is brought to you by Built Bar. If you haven't tried the Built Bar Puffs yet, you are depriving yourself of one of life's greatest joys. And guess what? There's a new flavor. Ready? Delicious, indulgent cookie dough covered in chocolate. That's right. Built has done it again. Let me introduce you to your new favorite. Cookie dough chunk puffs have a light and chewy texture, real cookie dough chunks, and of course, they are covered in 100% real chocolate. All the joys of eating cookie dough without the hassle of making it. Plus, it's healthy for you. Cookie dough chunk puffs are only 160 calories, and they have a whopping 15 grams of protein. Like all Built Bars, the new cookie dough chunk puff is covered in 100% real chocolate. What's great about 
built is that all the bars are made with collagen protein, which your body absorbs more efficiently, provides tons of health benefits. You are going to love the new Cookie Dough Chunk Built Puff. Whether you need a snack for your workout, late night treat, or just a quick bite, Built is the perfect protein bar, and they taste better than a candy bar. Ditch the calories, fat, and sugar. Grab yourself a Built Bar. Go to Built.com. Use promo code LOCKEDON15 and get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKEDON15. All right, just want to thank you guys, as always, for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. All right, let's keep this thing rolling right along here, and we're going to turn our attention to Philip Heedle, who I have penciled in as the center for the New York Rangers on the third line. As far as his age, he's actually, this is his 23rd birthday as I'm recording this. I would not have known that at all were it not for the fact that, again, you know, I was obviously looking up some info on Filipino, but regardless, happy birthday to Filipino. Hard to believe that he's just turning 23 because he's obviously been here for kind of a long time. Uh, as far as his contract, he is in the second year of a two-year bridge deal, which is worth a total of $4.6 million. It's an average annual value, an average cap hit per season of $2.3 million, and then he is a restricted free agent at the end of this upcoming season. Uh, as far as last year, 67 games for the New York Rangers, uh, scored eight goals, dished out 14 assists, was also a minus one. And then to uh, throw in the, his playoff numbers, it's a little bit of a bonus here, 20 games, seven goals, two assists, was a minus two during that time. And again, as we always do, start with worst case and on best case. Worst case scenario, you know, I, I think about Philip Heedle and what we've seen from him over these first few years of his NHL career, and what is the one thing that kind of holds him back? Well, that would be a lack of consistency. So I think that's the first thing that springs to mind for me when we're talking about a worst case scenario for somebody like Philip Heedle is the inconsistency just continues to plague him because this is somebody who shows flashes. You know, that he goes through these little hot streaks every now and then where he'll, you know, have a five-game point streak or, you know, he'll have like six points and seven games or something along those lines, you know, somewhere in that ballpark, but then he'll basically just disappear for however many games, you know, 10 games, 15 games, whatever it might be. And in fact, uh, his seemingly annual disappearing act, I mean, I don't want to be too harsh here because Philip Heedle did some good things last year and he obviously came through in the playoffs as well. This is well-documented, and we've talked about it on here quite a bit, but there there were times in the playoffs this past year where that kid line was the best line on the ice for the Rangers or for their opposition, and he was obviously a big part of that. But, yeah, there's times where he he just kind of disappears, and it, it cost him a few games this past season because if you guys remember, uh, it was kind of out of the blue, but then again, when you look at it and you look at how the team was playing and how other players were faring and the roles that they were playing. There were a couple of times where Filipino was a healthy scratch this past season. And again, it catches it by surprise initially, but then you look at everything and you, and you think about it and it's like, well, he's not really bringing anything and he's not really going to do much defensively. He's not going to, you know, kill penalties or anything like that. He's not going to be, you know, a vicious hitter out there and setting a physical tone. So it gets to a point where it's like, well, if he's not producing at all offensively, then there's no real reason to, make him untouchable as it pertains to being a healthy scratch. So again, in a worst case scenario, I think the inconsistency continues to be an issue. And maybe we even see some situations where he's a healthy scratch once again uh, by Gerard Gallant. And this kind of goes hand in hand with what I was just talking about. But again, just too many nothing games for Philip Heedle. Too many games where he's just kind of a ghost and you just don't really notice him out there all that much. And he's just kind of a non-factor. So uh, that's 
you know, first and foremost, just the overall inconsistency continuing to be an issue and just too many games where, again, he just kind of pulls a little bit of a disappearing act. I think also, in a worst-case scenario, as it pertains to Filipino, we have a situation where he stays at center and continues to struggle on the face-off dot. I have mentioned in the past that I'd be in favor of potentially moving Filipino to the right wing. We see him every now and then get a little cameo on the right wing, maybe on the Panarin line or, you know, on the third line, whatever it might be. Every now and then they'll move him there for like a game, maybe two games, maybe half a game, but it never really sticks. And it seems like the Rangers are committed to making him a center. And from what I understand, from what people have said about the situation, Philip Heedle's personal preference is to play center. You know, one of those guys who's happy to play anywhere, but if you leave it up to him, he'll play center. So I'm kind of giving up on that. Hopefully he gets better, you know, just in general as a center. I always think he can better take advantage of his speed on, on a wing spot, but they're not going to do that. So he's a center. And I think in a worst case scenario, he continues to struggle on the faceoff dot. He is at a 40.5 success rate on faceoffs in his career. That's got to be near the bottom of the league. You know, nobody really goes under 40%. Nobody really goes over 60%. So the fact that Heedle is kind of on the cusp there, uh, I think says a lot about how much he struggled on the faceoff circle. Um, and, you know, he's improved a little bit the last couple seasons when it comes to faceoff. Uh, this past season, he won 43.4%. That was a new career high. I don't expect him to be somebody who's out there winning 55%, but maybe somewhere around, I don't know, 46, 47%, where you at least think there's a chance he could win a certain faceoff in a big spot in the game. So, yeah, uh, worst case scenario. Uh, again, also, he struggles on the dot. And I think in a worst-case scenario, Philip Heedle ends up getting traded either during the season or after the season. I don't think it would happen during the season unless we get near the deadline and, you know, the Rangers, they trade away a gigantic package of players to bring in, you know, one big-time superstar player. I don't think the Rangers would deal Heedle in the middle of the season. But as far as the offseason, I think it could easily happen because it goes back to what we always talk about here, the fact that you can't keep everybody. And Philip Heedle, you know, is he still going to be somebody that the Rangers see as a future superstar and a guy with all this upside, or are they going to instead, you know, move on from him in a trade and start putting that money toward guys like Lafreniere, toward guys like Keandre Miller, uh, maybe Capo Caco when he needs, needs a new deal, excuse me. We'll see. We'll see. I, I just get the feeling that the Rangers might prioritize other players uh, over Philip Hedl, and for that reason, maybe he's a trade candidate after the season. I, like I said, I, I think there's a really small chance that it would happen during the season, but I could certainly see it happening uh, after this upcoming season. In a best-case scenario, we get playoff Philip Hedl. Philip Hedl in the playoffs did a heck of a job for this team. I already mentioned the seven goals and the two assists, some timely goals as well, but it was more than just the stats and the fact that his production had picked up a little bit. It was just the eye test. You know, the pace of play really picks up in the postseason, obviously, when it comes to Stanley Cup playoff hockey. Philip Heedle seemed to embrace that. It seemed to fit his skill set. It seemed to kind of force him to elevate his game. And for the most part, he did it. And it's not like that kid line dominated every single game. But man, like I said, you know, I'll keep going back to this. There were nights where they were unquestionably the best line on the ice. And Philip Heedle did a great job with that. Uh, again, scored some big goals in the playoffs as well. And uh, just did a heck of a job. You know, it looks like he was wise beyond his years. And I just hope that he can carry that same kind of, uh, you know, work ethic and that same kind of intensity and that same kind of energy if he can bring that into uh, the regular season for this upcoming season. Obviously, nobody can play an 82-game regular season like every game is Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Final because you would you'd keel over, right? But hopefully he can at least get near that, you know, player that he was in this past year's postseason. That's what I'm looking for. 
I think also in a best-case scenario for Filipino, he works his way into the top six. Now, I personally would not start him this season in the top six. Once again, I think your top line, Kreider, Mika, Kako. Your second line, Panarin, Trocek, Lafreniere. But, hey, you know what? Competition is a good thing. I think there should be something of an open competition when it comes to Filipino maybe getting his way into a top six role. Obviously, you know, if he's playing with Panarin, he'll get the Panarin bump just like anybody else does. And you know what? It's good that Filipino is there because he can start the season on the third line. I would like to see Kako and Lafreniere each get their chances, you know, in the top six. But if they struggle, if they're not getting the job done, well, we got Filipino right here. We can move him into the top six. And if the Rangers did that, presumably it would be to replace probably, I don't think he'd be replacing Trocek. He's certainly not going to replace Mika or Kreider or Panarin. So that leaves Lafreniere and Kako. And in that situation, Filipino can play the right wing, you know, as a lot of us have all kind of been wanting him to do. So uh, we'll see how that shakes out. But obviously if Filipino plays well, works his way up the lineup, that only bodes well for him, excuse me, uh, in terms of his ice time and also his scoring opportunities because he's going to be out there with some uh, pretty amazing players. So that's the best case for Filipino. I think also in a best case, he gets some increased time on the power play. As we've talked about, you know, that fifth spot on the top power play unit is up for grabs. Lafreniere is still my pick, but Filipino should certainly be given every right to compete for that job. And even if he doesn't get into the top unit, he should be on the second unit, I would think. Uh, we'll see how that shakes out. But obviously, uh, you know, being on the power play, that can only help your production as well. And I think this last one takes the cake, at least for me. I think in a best-case scenario, Filipino stops thinking so much and just shoots the puck. When he was scoring seven goals in the postseason, he was even joking after the one game that, oh, yeah, I just closed my eyes and shot. You know, he said something along those lines. I'm paraphrasing there, obviously. But... Yeah, I mean, I think there's times where maybe in the past he's tried to be just a little bit too fine when it comes to his shot. I mean, you look at this past season, he scored on just 5.9% of his shots, whereas the season before that was 10.5%. The season before that was 12.3%. So he's actually gone backward in that department. And I think, uh, you know, a lot of people like to pick on Strom when it comes to this area. Philip Hedl, though... I mean, he misses open nets probably as much or more as anybody else on the New York Rangers. Or just, you know, maybe it's not necessarily an open ice, but he's trying a little bit too hard to be a little bit too fine with his shot instead of just cutting it loose. He's aiming it, and he's missing the net altogether. You know, he'll get the puck in a, a high-danger scoring opportunity, and he's got a good shot, and he doesn't even put it on net. When you've got as good of a shot as Philip Hedl, doesn't always need to be perfect. You know, it doesn't always have to be right in the corner. It doesn't always have to be off the bar and in or something along those lines. Just throw it at the net. I want to see Filipino uh, get a little bit more assertive when it comes to that and just stop thinking so much and just put it at the net. You know, he's, he will score more goals if he's able to do that. But I think that pretty much covers Filipino, you know, all the best case and worst case scenarios. And in just a second, we will turn our attention to a player with a very, 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 very wide range of outcomes. That would, of course, be Vitaly Kravtsov. And we will talk about him in just a second. All right, that brings us to Vitaly Kravtsov, the third and final member of what I believe could be and probably even should be the Rangers' uh, opening night third line. I mean, you never know how they're going to roll, but uh, I think this line certainly makes some sense. These three guys playing together on said line. And with Kravtsov, as we mentioned, wide range of outcomes here, perhaps more so than any other player on the New York Rangers, where you could envision a complete disaster. You could also envision him becoming, you know, a pretty darn good player for this team and uh, somebody that hopefully becomes more reliable than he's been since the Rangers drafted him. Uh, we'll start with the worst and the worst case scenario. Another meltdown, for lack of a better word, you know, something goes wrong if Kravtsov is on this roster and on this team at the start of the season, I don't know about you guys, but I'm going to be holding my breath. You know, if the Rangers don't play him a lot of minutes or if he gets sent down to the AHL or if he even just gets 
sent down the lineup, you know, if they move him to the fourth line for part of a game, which I don't think is an ideal fit for him, but it's something that could happen. Uh, if he's a healthy scratch for a game, how is he going to handle situations such as these that I'm describing? You know, will he be a good soldier for this team? Or will he throw a fit and demand a trade and abandon the team all over again? We don't know uh, how that's going to shake out. We as Ranger fans basically just have to hope that Kravtsov and the Rangers have come to some sort of an understanding and that everyone is on the same page. And as we've talked about, we're not going to go into this in too much detail here today, but the entire Kravtsov saga ever since he's been drafted, it's basically been one thing after another. And there's plenty of blame to go around uh, that includes Kravtsov himself, as well as Chris Jury, as well as you know, how the Rangers have handled him. Plenty of blame to go around. Nobody has really looked great in the whole thing. I think in a worst-case scenario, he just doesn't fit in with the locker room. We all know what a tight-knit bunch this is, and I'm hoping that, you know, somebody or hopefully multiple players will kind of, you know, extend the olive branch to Vitaly Krasov, throw their arm around him. You know, hey, man, we need you. Uh, you're a big part of what we're going to do here, and you need to bring it every single night. Hopefully something like that happens. But, you know, this team, I, I do think there are players on this team and I'm not, this isn't just me. I'm going by, you know, what beat reporters have said about this. But there's players on this team that felt like Kravtsov kind of let the team down last year. He kind of betrayed them a little bit. And I don't think that there were too many players, again, just going by reports that were out there, that too many players were, you know, kind of uh, beating the drum for Vitaly Kravtsov to rejoin this team once his KHL season concluded. Uh, that was late in the regular season, and I don't think there were too many players that were really uh, leading the charge for Kravtsov to be brought back because everybody else in this team was very selfless and obviously contributed in a major way to what the Rangers ended up doing, whereas Kravtsov hadn't contributed at all. You know, he packed his bags and left. So uh, in a worst-case scenario, he once again just does not fit in with this Ranger locker room. I think also in a worst-case scenario, we all know at this point that a trade of Kravtsov is certainly at least possible, but I think in a worst case, the Rangers end up trading him for pennies on the dollar. I mean, this is somebody that was a top 10 pick for this Ranger team. Obviously, the current Ranger regime, led by Chris Drury, was not the regime that selected Kravtsov so high, but, you know, Drury was in the room. He was an assistant GM, but, you know, his vote, I'm sure, was heard, but he doesn't get final say, and I think it was up to Drury uh, he certainly would not have drafted Kravtsov. So uh, in a worst-case scenario, the Rangers just want to get rid of him, and they give him away for next to nothing, a former first-round pick and a former top-10 overall first-round pick. And it's possible that, you know, one of the reasons why the Rangers brought Jimmy Vesey back, he's on a PTO with the Rangers right now, and maybe part of the reason for that is as kind of a contingency plan, if the Rangers do end up trading Kravtsov, then they have somebody in Vesey to plug into Kravtsov's spot in the lineup. And now, obviously, with Vesey, at this point, He's either 30 or he's about to turn 30. Has not really lived up to the hype since he's come into this league, whether it's with the Rangers or any of the other million teams that he's traded for. Just has not lived up to the hype to this point in his career. And at this point, it would seem like he does not have the kind of upside that Kravtsov still has. But if the Rangers do trade Kravtsov, then I think that might be one of the reasons why VZ's here. He's uh, back on the what would be the league minimum. And you know you could plug him into Kravtsov's spot in the lineup if indeed a Kravtsov trade uh, comes to fruition. But I don't want to be seeing Kravtsov being traded uh, for next to nothing. I think also in a worst-case scenario is that, you know, he's just not really that productive because his only NHL action was in 2020-2021. Uh, that was with the Rangers toward the end of the season. Had just two goals and two assists and was a minus six. I think he played better than those stats would suggest. Uh, his skating and his puck handling certainly stood out to me. But 
The points weren't there, and they haven't really been there in the KHL either. He's played 68 games with Tractor over the past two seasons, just 22 goals and 15 assists in that time. So 37 points in 68 games, not exactly jaw-dropping stuff. Um, it's possible that maybe in the NHL he'll be a little bit more motivated and kind of elevate his game, which leads me nicely into the best-case scenarios. And I think in a best-case scenario, we see a highly motivated Vitaly Krasov. He's motivated to prove to the Rangers that they were wrong, to show them that he never should have been sent to the minors, and to show them he should have been with the Rangers the whole time in a prominent to semi-prominent role in their lineup. And as I've said on here, there's nobody that's blameless in the situation between Krasov and the Rangers, but... Be that as it may, Kraftsoff can still be motivated to prove some people wrong when he comes back. I think that'd be a best-case scenario for Kraftsoff. Uh, I think in a best-case scenario, he becomes close with, you know, at least a couple of his teammates. If Kraftsoff is on an island in the locker room, that certainly is not going to be good for him at all. But, you know, Jacob Truba is the team captain. Maybe he goes over to Kraftsoff, takes him under his wing a little bit. Maybe Artemi Panarin, you know, he seems to get along with everybody. He seems to be an easy guy to talk to, kind of an easygoing personality. Maybe he's one of those guys that kind of uh, leads by example. I mean, he is kind of a lead by example alternate captain at this moment, but maybe he leads by example and, uh, you know, goes over to Krasov. You know, they're both from Russia, so obviously there's a little bit of common ground there. But maybe Panarin basically plays big brother role for Vitaly Krasov. But once again, in a best case scenario, the Ranger locker room embraces him, this despite the fact that Krasov essentially quit on the team last season. But if the Ranger locker room, they welcome him back with open arms, that helps him relax a little bit. He becomes a more confident player and just one that goes out there, plays hockey, has some fun, and takes advantage of what is a pretty impressive skill set. Uh, I think in a best case also, he is firmly entrenched in the top nine. He doesn't find himself a healthy scratch very often. Hopefully not at all. You know, hopefully he just kind of hits the ground running and they don't even think about making him a healthy scratch. And I think also in a best case, like I said, he stays in the top nine, does not play on the fourth line. Vitaly Krausov, there's nothing about his skill set that streams fourth liner. So I think in a best case, you keep him out of that situation. I think also in a best case scenario, I can't see him being on the top power play unit, at least not right away. He's going to have to work his way back up if he wants a role like that. But it's possible he could play on the second power play unit. Right now, I've got the top unit as Panarin, Kreider, Mika, Fox, and I'll say Lafreniere. And then the second unit, I would say Trocek, Kako, Hedl, Miller, and Trua. So I don't think he's going to crack either unit to start the season, but if he can work his way up into that role, then that would be great. I mean, obviously, look, if there's a lot of deserving players on the two power play units, that's a good problem to have if you're the New York Rangers. I think also, in a best-case scenario, and this is something that some Ranger fans have floated out there, he plays with Panarin and Trocek on the second line. There are some serious Kraftsoft truthers out there uh, who badly want to see him play with Panarin and Trocek rather than have Kako on that line. I can't go that far, though, you know? And the, the big reason for that is, you know, for all the things that have happened between Kraftsoft and the Rangers, I just don't want to see him immediately rewarded with a top six role. He's got to earn that. He's got to earn that shift by shift, game by game, and prove that he's all in this year and he's not going to pull any of the nonsense that he's pulled in the past. And... You know, with Kako, for some of his flaws that he has and for some of the unproduction that he's experienced since coming into the league, Cabo Kako is always here. You know, he does what he's asked. Uh, I do think it's certainly not a lack of effort on his part. I think he's giving it his all every single night. He seems to be well-liked by his teammates. Big part of the run last year. And he's done a lot more to earn a shot in the top six than Vitaly Krausov has. So to me, that's Kako's job to lose at the start of the season. Krasov in a best-case scenario for him. He eventually works his way into a more prominent role, but that's something that's got to be earned. And right now, I got to have Kako in the top six over Krasov. 
Uh, that pretty much covers everything, though, as far as the third line is concerned. Best case and worst case scenarios. Uh, to wrap up today, I do want to mention fantasy hockey. If you played last year, definitely get in touch with me. Your spot is secure. If you didn't play last year, get in touch with me anyway, and I'll save your spot in line, and we'll do everything we can to get you into the fantasy league this year. But that will do it for today, guys. Once again, if you'd like to get in touch with this podcast, please send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Once again, that is LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Definitely give us a follow on Twitter as well, at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Once again, that's at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. And definitely subscribe to the Locked On New York Rangers YouTube channel. Thanks again, guys. I'll see you next time. Thanks for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. Now make your second listen, Locked On NHL. Locked On experts give you a daily 30-minute podcast on all things NHL all year long. Stay up to date on everything in the hockey world. Locked on NHL, your daily 30-minute NHL podcast.